Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, we had uh, um, started the work in TensorFlow and Keras and uh, doing a lot of uh, matrixy or tensor multiplication. So uh, you can use like uh, the function reduce sum and uh, that'll reduce your dimensions. Uh, so you can, uh, if you go to the zero dimension, it'll sum the uh, row and column. So it'll give you like the, uh, the high level one dimensional data that you go to two dimensions. It'll give you the two dimensional data and three and so forth. Um, so it's a quick way if you're dealing with matrices multiplication uh, to see what the values are on a, sums on a row or uh, sums by uh, the overall uh, system. So you could take, uh, for example, if you were taking two matrices, one was uh, uh, one is the uh, rates. And, uh, and the other one is the hours and you multiply them together then you get a total amount and then uh, you could compare that for possibly against uh, what the reported amounts were and see if, if there was uh, some some error there and you can use reduce sum to tell you uh, what those values are well so Again, we were talking about yesterday about how the uh, uh, tensor flow is a combination of edges and nodes. And uh, the, the node operations are things like multiply matrix, multi, or matrix multi, mult, M-A-T, M-U-L. And uh, uh, you could do an overload on that. You could use the uh, asterisk sign. You can also do uh, the, uh, um, you could use the multiply function. So when you get a tensor, it's interesting because you also have to reshape it. And one of the things that I found um, is that the tensor wants its inputs in an array form. Now that's kind of counterintuitive to what we've done before because we've always got things into uh, a data frame form. Uh, we, we move things into uh, one hot encoding or category coding, cat.codes. Um, and then we fed it, fed it into to, uh, train test split. And what we're going to do with uh, the TensorFlow neural net is we will take the data frame and we will convert it into a NumPy array. And so you get you create it flattens it out into this long array, and then uh, we will reshape it and so you feed in a flattened array and then it reshapes so in the case with uh, yesterday when I did the Keras uh, neural net 
uh, using the embed the embedded uh, uh, layer of the Keras network, uh, the dense network. What I did um, when I was following the tutorial, what I did was uh, I, I went through and looked at the sentences and then I counted the words that were in each one of the sentences and I found out what the maximum size of my word count was per sentence. Um, and that became the max length and what it does is it'll encode your, you don't have to run it through TF, IDF, vectorize. Um, it will encode, you can use a, an encode function and you need to know basically how many words you're going to encode. And what it'll do is it'll convert the word into a number and then uh, based on the padding size, which would be the, like I say, if it was 150 words, it would then pad with zeros the uh, missing word or the uh, uh, the space that where there is no words in the sentence. So now you end up with this large array and then you can feed that into a reshape into the neural net and uh, then for the output, I used uh, a categorical entropy and a soft max. And then I was outputting eight labels. And what I found was really interesting about that is when I plotted it out, you can go to my GitHub and take a look at it. When I plotted it out, I used uh, matplotlib and then I, I plotted the... Um, the eight outputs as a, a graph and what I could see is that there were signals in the data that it had correctly classified the shape based on the description in the data but what was also interesting more so is that there were secondary shapes that were somewhat firing so the neural net uh, let's say, for example, the shape was triangle. It identified triangle as the dominant uh, this output classification. But in some cases, it thought that oval, it could be an oval also. And so this kind of uh, uncertainty or fuzzy area was kind of exciting to see. And uh, so when I ran it, it, it outputted uh, like 16 megabytes of uh, imaging. So I just commented out those fields, but you can uncomment them and run it. And, uh, and uh, it's interesting. I just pulled the, I didn't want to pull all the data. There was a huge amount of data. You can, if you want to run it against uh, all the sightings, you can do that. Uh, but it'll take a little while and it'll produce a really large file. But what I did is I filtered it down to Utah and Idaho. That's the areas I'm interested in. California by far had the most cases. It was interesting. Uh, and I don't know why California had a lot higher case count than all the states. So, so if you take all the states combined, it would not top California. California, they're, they're, 
there there were hardly any cases on the west, east coast, but uh, most of the cases were on the on the west coast. And I'm wondering if it's because of all the uh, scientific engineering development that occurs in California. A lot of engineers there, lots of projects, and uh, but for some reason there's a lot of sightings in California versus uh, Idaho and Utah. But what I was surprised is that there were still cases in uh, Idaho, and a lot of the cases occurred between nine and midnight. So um, that was a kind of a phenomena that caught my attention and and uh, made comment about that to my wife. All right, so what's next? Well, the, what's next is um, to start working with the neural net to do some classifications, build uh, some layers in uh, TensorFlow, and then uh, making the jump to Keras because Keras will be a lot easier for setting up your inputs and uh, setting, set, creating some feedback loops and, uh, and then creating systems that uh, are, are uh, robust. But I can really see where the deep learning became really popular. If you can take a large data set, large number of parameters. So in my case, you know, it was like uh, with the word embedding, I think it was 400 parameters or so. Uh, if you could take like, uh, you know, someone's resume, for example, and, uh, and then you could have it correctly classify from the content classify different outputs. So one way to look for that is to run through your resume and uh, convert it to TF-IDF or even a vectorized count. But uh, let's say you use TF-IDF and then remove the stop words and then uh, look at the words with the heavy weightings on it and then see if any of those words uh, are in your database of words that you're interested in. So it could be like uh, C-sharp, Java, JavaScript, uh, Angular, Flutter, blah, 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 right? So you have a list of words in your database that you're interested in. Run through your, uh, vectorize it, run through and see if any of those words exist in the data frame. And if so, then create a data frame column is and that word. And then uh, cycle through the contents of the, so make one pass over and, and build your columns of keywords that you found in the resume. Make a second pass and um, train the neural net on the, out, the, the description, which would be the resume content, and then its uh, designated output for those keywords. I guess you could actually just kind of run through the database and just build your columns, and then you'd have you know this 
this really large parameterized data frame. Uh, like, so you'd have is C sharp, is SQL Server, is MongoDB, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, each sentence, you'd vectorize it and see if there's any of those keywords, and then you would put a one in it. So do a, a, a binary a binary entropy on it. So it goes between zero and one. And then, uh, and then feed that into your Keras network uh, and set up your embedding and classify and train it. And then once you have that against uh, a certain number of existing resumes, then feed a new resume in and run it through the process and create its data frame. And then feed that data frame into uh, train test split. Then get, well, actually, in this case, you don't need to, just get an X and Y, and then feed that into your neural net prediction and see what uh, outputs that it creates based on the uh, X component. And if you get a good enough score, then you can use the, you can use the neural net to uh, read people's resume and create the classifications from the content of that resume. And so then uh, what you would do is maybe every night run through uh, all the content again and retrain the net and see if the accuracy increases or decreases over time. So that might suggest if it's starting to decrease over time that you have to adjust your architecture. Or there's uh, something that's uh, causing noise in the system. So you might have to do some regularization, standard, standard scaling to reduce down the noise. There might be some outlier data that you want to remove. Um, and so there's some uh, pre-processing engineering that has to go on. But um, yeah, that's an area I've been thinking about with this resume or uh, even legal documentation is that uh, how to train the, the neural net to um, read the content and then find the multiple label outputs and then use that to signal uh, content that needs to be reviewed by people. So the starting to get better visibility on how to use the neural net to uh, understand content. And then I guess, you, you know, you, if you got enough, you could scale that up to size. Instead of one document, you take all the documents. And uh, if you have a big enough system, you should be able to uh, correctly classify and learn from the contents statistically. Uh, what the what the labeling is.
there could also be things that uh, are deterministic. So you have the neural net that's kind of generalizing and finding correlation or signal in the data, but you could also embed in your Python code certain rules. So if you know, uh, maybe you want to look for certain values in your contracts, and so you could have uh, pattern matching using regular expressions that uh, may be able to search through the data and then you generate features in your data frame based on content rules that it finds in the data. So that's another area that I've been thinking is that uh, because of the work that Todd did with his domain knowledge is that you you formulate domain knowledge on, let's say when you're dealing with a contract, you, you find out what the really key important things to the contract are, and then you use uh, regular expressions to uh, extract that content out from the free text, and then you use roles to uh, measure the values on them and then you set uh, create new uh, feature columns as potential outputs and then you train the network against that and so when you feed in the the new contract it's going to evaluate it uh, it's going to make a prediction and then you can see things that uh, um, that it it's uh, trying to, to predict about that text content. And, you know, it's like uh, there's some things like sentiment analysis that you could use, but then also you could use these thresholds that could be counterweighted um, in the features if certain values uh, exceed their threshold.